Hey there, Lola here. Thanks for listening to the Smoke and Profit Podcast, where I bring you inspiration that's actionable to enrich you spiritually, creatively, and socially. Today, we're going to dive deep into something that affects so many of us the highs and lows of social media. Yes, I'm going to be sharing my personal journey of burnout too. That's not going to be fun. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyways. Have you ever felt discouraged after posting content on social media that gets less likes than what you hope for? You know those moments where you pour your heart and soul into a post only to be met with a lukewarm response? One time I posted a video that received thousands of views, but only had a handful of likes. I was confused. I was disappointed. I was crushed. It even made me question my value. On social media, we sometimes get so caught up in likes, followers, and views that we forget about the things that truly matter, like impact, reach, and disrupting destructive narratives in society. And that's the thing about social media. It can be such a roller coaster ride. One moment you're on top of the world and the next you're rock bottom. Or at least that's how I felt till I realized I was focusing too much on meaningless numbers and not enough on my true calling of inspiring and equipping people to positively impact the world. So in this episode, let's shift our focus away from vanity metrics, things like likes, and let's shift our focus onto what truly matters, our impact, our influence, our reach. We'll also explore the impact of social media on our mental health and well-being, and I'll share some actionable tips and tools to help you navigate the social media landscape with more grace and ease. And as someone who has burned out, trust me, like I got some tips for you. Though my content doesn't get millions of likes yet, it has received millions of views. So I'm excited to share my experience and insights with you. And I hope that by the end of this episode, you'll feel inspired and equipped to make a positive impact on social media. Social media can be tough. It can be emotionally exhausting to show up every day, create content, engage with others, and put yourself out there. That's probably the hardest thing about it. Putting yourself out there on social media in front of the world to be critiqued and reviewed. Yes, that's tough. It can be a love-hate relationship and it can take a toll on our mental health. I know this from personal experience. There have been times when I felt emotionally drained from posting daily on social media, times when I've been so caught up in likes and comments that I've lost sight of why I started in the first place, times when I've compared myself to others and felt like I wasn't good enough. But you know what? I've also had moments of pure joy and connection on social media. And I mean that. Moments when I felt like I'm part of a community, part of something bigger than myself. Moments when I receive messages from listeners and readers of my quotes from all over the world who my content inspired and impacted. So I'm here to tell you that it's okay to feel the highs and lows of social media. Hey, maybe sometimes we need to feel the lows so we can better relate to our communities, our audiences, the people that we are there for. Also, it's okay to feel like you're not measuring up and it's okay to take a break when you need to because at the end of the day, social media is just one piece of the puzzle. It's not the end all be all for you or for me. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or discouraged by social media, know that you're not alone. Know that I've been there. Know that I could be there in the future, but also know that finding harmony and joy in this ever evolving social media landscape is possible. 
Our obsession with likes, followers, and views can take a toll on our mental health and well-being and take the joy out of our social media experiences. So in the next part of the episode, let's dive deep into how we can make the most of social media while putting our well-being first. To do that, I need to get teachy for a second and talk about vanity metrics. And then we'll dig into my personal journey and also we'll shift our focus onto meaningful metrics or things that truly matter. Don't worry if you need to get more familiar with the word vanity metric, I'll explain it to you. Vanity metrics are performance indicators that make us feel popular and powerful. They make us look and feel successful, but they don't necessarily mean that we're growing on social media, making an impact, or making any money. Performance indicators at school look like grades or test scores. Performance indicators in sports would be points scored per games or your individual contributions to the team. Performance indicators at work look like KPIs or annual reviews. Views. Performance indicators on social media are growth, engagement, reach, and influence. The like button is a perfect example of a performance indicator that is a vanity metric. While the like button does measure performance on social media, it mostly means less than we think it does because likes only sometimes mean genuine engagement. You can buy likes, so getting caught up in likes and idolizing them isn't helpful. But still, we get caught up in the likes and we idolize them because they make us feel good and we crave affirmation and validation. We crave what this vanity metric feeds. But focusing too much on vanity metrics can really hurt our mental health and well-being in the long run. As someone who's been there, I know how it feels to feel good about vanity metrics. And then I also know what it's like to feel bad for not meeting them. For me, working in corporate America was way easier than working on social media. As a creator, social media manager, influencer, content manager, entrepreneur, side career having professional, or anyone who posts to social media, you need to hear what I'm about to say next. It's an excerpt from a Psychology Today article by Robert T. Mueller, PhD. Quote, social media can affect users' self-esteem, confidence, and mental health. Research has also shown that social comparisons are cognitively inefficient and require a lot of mental resources to process. Those who are solely focused on social comparisons can experience detrimental effects, including decreased apparent satisfaction, low self-evaluations, higher negative mood, insecurity, and anxiety. Since social media influencers' whole lives and careers are invested in social media, many experience these negative effects. Additionally, consumers of social media often engage in upward social comparisons that can negatively impact mental health. This is especially true for influencers, as they constantly look up to and compare themselves with other high-status influencers. Take a moment to think about what I just read and ask yourself, what stands out to me? What do I connect with, if anything? I connected with a few things and a few things stood out to me. One thing that stood out to me really, really big, listen to this, because we're on social media, we're often engaging in upward social comparisons. So we're all doing it. No matter if we admit it or not, we're doing it. And if you're someone that works on social media, like as an influencer, as a creator, as a social media manager, content manager, if you're an entrepreneur, or if you have a full-time job and you're just using social media to help spread the word about something that you're doing, your brand or a business, if you're using social media, friends, 
you're at risk for these things that I just read to you. Low self-evaluations, decrease appearance satisfaction. That means looking at yourself your physical appearance and not feeling happy or satisfied with what you see. Low self-evaluations. This means you can look at the goals that you've completed for the last 30, 60, 90 days. You could have rocked things out so much. You could have done an amazing job compared to where you were a few months ago or even a year ago. You could still evaluate yourself in an unrealistic way because you're looking at someone else, you're looking online, and you're always comparing yourself to other people. Am I making sense? My point is this. No matter how mentally healthy, resilient, or strong I am, Social media is challenging. My work is social media, so I've got to be invested in it. I enjoy engaging with others, but I need alone time too. I love making engaging content that builds community and connection, but I need space to refuel too. I need to read these social media comments to learn my audience, but sometimes it's too emotionally exhausting, especially when you get bombarded with nasty comments. Social media can be a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it can be a platform for creative expression, community building, connection, sharing positivity, sharing a positive message, making an impact, and even making money. On the other hand, it can also be so addictive. It can lead to burnout and stress. It can make us feel bad about how we look. It can make us evaluate ourselves in an unrealistic way that is lower than what we normally would. It can negatively impact our mental health and well-being. So let's talk about how to mitigate the negative impact of social media so we can consistently show up online and post with grace and ease. Moments ago, I mentioned metrics or performance indicators for social media. Let's go ahead and talk about meaningful metrics and why they're so important. So you can shift your focus to meaningful metrics and not the vain ones. Meaningful metrics are actionable insights that reveal how much your social media content drives genuine engagement, conversions, or traffic to a specific place like a website, landing page, a contact list, an app, or a limited sell or offer. Vanity metrics provide insights but not actionable insights. Sure, you get a lot of likes, but what does it mean? You don't really know. That's what makes vanity metrics and meaningful metrics different. A meaningful metric will guide you into action that matters. In this case, a meaningful metric can lead you to a strategy that grows your social media presence and helps you reach more people. I always enjoy a good this or that comparison list. So let's do the same thing with vanity metrics and meaningful metrics. Instead of tracking likes, try tracking engagement rates. An engagement rate measures how much your followers interact with your content, which makes tracking engagement more meaningful than simply counting likes. To get your engagement rate, you'll need to calculate it. Thankfully, there are a few engagement rate formulas and a handy calculator to use, so you don't have to figure it all out on your own. Check today's episode notes for a link to Hootsuite's engagement rate calculator. I'll put a link to the episode notes in the description. Instead of tracking follower count, try tracking reach because it's truly misleading to solely rely on follower count. Here's why. Follower count doesn't mean that the followers are actually seeing your content. 
<laughs> but reached us. And I chuckled a little bit because sometimes we look at our follower account and we're like, dang, why aren't more people seeing our content? It's because it's not necessarily popping up on their timeline, but that's a whole nother thing we could talk about on another day and we're not gonna do it. I'm gonna stick with my talking points here. Okay. Reach is more important than follower count because reach measures the total number of people who've seen your posts. This includes followers and non-followers. To track your reach, check the insights or analytics feature on whatever social platform you're using. Instead of tracking website clicks, try tracking conversions. Tracking your website traffic and clicks is a good start, but you need to know more like conversion rates or how long people stay on your website. Here's what I mean when I say conversions. You need to know if the clicks people are making on your site lead to sales or some other desired action. To track conversions, measure the number of people who complete a specific action, such as making a purchase or filling out a contact form. Instead of tracking comments, try tracking sentiment. Surprisingly, positive, negative, and neutral comments don't necessarily tell much about how people actually feel about your content or brand. Sometimes I can't tell if a comment is sincere, sarcastic, or just trolling. I have a very cute story about this. So I posted a video on YouTube, a YouTube shorts. I looked at the comments and like I said, sometimes I don't know if a comment is sincere, sarcastic, or trolling. So I looked at a few of the comments and I was like, I'm not gonna deal with this today because to be honest, After a certain time, my emotional intelligence levels go down. So I came back the next day and I was like, okay, let me respond to these comments. And I did. One of the comments that I responded to that I honestly could not tell if they were being sincere or if they were trolling, they responded back to my reply and they were actually like, thank you. And then they kind of did a little joke in the comments or something. And it was cute. I was like, okay. Then another comment that I responded to, the person was sincere, but their reply back to me was just, yeah, we're just not even going to put an adjective on that and describe it. This is my point. Sometimes I can't tell what the comments mean. Sometimes you can't tell what the comments mean, but a sentiment analysis can. It processes language to analyze the tone of comments and other interactions and other things like emojis. A sentiment analysis gives a more accurate sense of how your community really feels about your content, your brand, products, or services. In today's episode notes, you'll find a link to sources to help you perform your own sentiment analysis. And lastly, instead of focusing on daily posting goals, try focusing on quality over quantity. Create high quality content that's original and that really resonates with your audience, that really connects with them. This may mean posting high quality content less frequently until you can handle posting high quality content more frequently. I know it may seem counterintuitive, especially when you're seeing things like, oh, you need to be posting multiple times a day. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. But if you post high quality original content that connects with your audience on a consistent basis that you can handle, that is way better than you posting infrequently or posting a ton of content that is not high quality, this low quality that people aren't going to engage with, that overall is going to make your page look like people don't like it and cause social media algorithms to deprioritize your content. 
I hope I made sense. I know that was a lot. <laughs> so again, it may seem counterintuitive to post less frequently, but it's not. If you're posting high quality content that's original, that really, really resonates and connects with your audience, it ultimately can lead to better engagement and more meaningful interactions with your community. So that was a lot of information. Let's go ahead and wrap up here. Instead of tracking vanity metrics like likes and followers, try tracking these more meaningful metrics. Track social media engagement rates. Track post reach and impressions. This is the number of followers and non-followers who saw your posts. Go for conversions per social media posts. This includes clicks on links, signups, and purchases. Also track social media referral traffic. This is visitors to your website from social media. Track sentiment on social media and really get a deeper understanding of what those comments and those interactions people are having with your brand mean. Find harmony with quantity and quality. Consider your capacity and your resources to determine your posting frequency. Don't just go off of what someone is telling you. It's better to consistently produce high quality content slightly less frequently than to post mediocre, unoriginal, unengaging, basic content daily. So far, we've learned how to avoid vanity metrics and track meaningful metrics. Now let's cover some ways to support your mental health and well-being while avoiding social media burnout. Set up office hours for social media. Outsource tasks. Set up automations like planning and scheduling posts. Use systems like batching content and grouping like tasks together. Minimize the stress of constantly creating new content by repurposing your content. Work around your strengths and rhythms. Talk with an industry peer or fellow creator about work. Go for realistic goals. Set boundaries for yourself and others. Make time for joy daily by scheduling time for something you enjoy. Spend time with your family and friends. Check in with yourself and your mental health regularly. When you look at others and you're dealing with that upward comparison, instead of asking yourself, why not me? Ask yourself, why not them? Take time offline. You're human first and a creator second. Don't let short-term wants or vanity metrics get in the way of what matters most. Address fears and issues head on by making a social media crisis plan. So I know you probably thought that list was real cute. <laughs> what I'll go ahead and do is dig into it a little bit more. Let me explain some of those practical tips I've just given you to help you avoid social media burnout and support your mental health and well-being. Set up office hours. Office hours can help you maintain healthy work-life harmony. So set specific times for engaging with social media and stick to them. Outsource tasks that trigger you and aren't enjoyable or that someone else can handle better. If there are specific tasks that you don't enjoy or find essential, delegate them to someone else. Set up automations. Use tools like social media schedulers and content planners to automate your social media presence. This way you can stay online while not being online. Use batching. Batching is grouping similar tasks together to streamline your work. You can batch or group your social media workload together into light categories. So instead of recording one video, pick a day to record several. Instead of planning and scheduling content for one day, plan your content for a few days or weeks at a time. Instead of writing captions on the day you schedule your posts, pick a day to write captions to use on the days when you feel like writing nothing. I could keep going, but you get it. Today, I set aside dedicated time to create multiple pieces of content at once. 
I'm really passionate about batching because I mostly work alone. So I know firsthand that this is something that helps me produce and create content way more efficiently, consistently, and stress-free. So batch, please, because batching can help you do more work with less energy. Repurpose your content. Take time to review, remix, repurpose, and repost your existing content. Instead of making new content, look at what has been super popular on your page or on your blog or on your podcast and remix, repurpose, and repost it. Work around your strengths. I mentioned this earlier, but I want to dig into this to make sure you understand. Identify when you are most productive, when you are most creative, when you are most focused, and plan your social media work accordingly. I personally am an advocate of tracking your productivity, of finding your rhythm, of finding your creative flow. I'm an advocate of doing that because once you are aware of it, you can begin to align yourself to that rhythm and work within it. And yeah, every day is not gonna be the perfect day where you'll be uninterrupted or things will just go the way you want them to. Sometimes things pop up and Maybe someone needs you during the time when you are most creative or most focused, but that's not going to happen every day. So identify your flow, your creative flow, your productivity rhythm, the time when you're most focused, identify that so that you can begin to align your work to it. I remember someone was riding with me to work for a short period of time. I think they were getting their car repaired or something, but they get in my car and they completely disrupted my rhythm. (laughs) They did. And they love talking in the morning. And me, I don't like talking for about the first two hours when I wake up in the morning. And this could change. So next year, I could be totally different where I'm popping up and I'm just wanting to talk like, you know, just run my mouth and talk nonstop, float like a river and all of that. But as it is now, I'm not a huge fan of talking in the morning. So for the first two hours, I don't really want to talk and say anything. So they get in the car with me, they'd start talking and I'd talk for a little bit and then I would give them a nonverbal cue that I didn't want to talk anymore. I would turn the music up a little bit or whatever. And that would be my way of saying, hey, I don't want to talk anymore. Didn't really work. So it's best to just tell people how you feel versus trying to give them those nonverbal cues. Sometimes it works, but clear communication is definitely something that can work better. Okay, so let me tell you about this other situation. Another coworker of mine knew that I had this rhythm of where I really didn't want to talk in the morning and I would just kind of want to be to myself for the first two hours. And they talked to me every morning. They'd be like, good morning. And then about 15, 20 minutes later, they come back and be like, good morning. And I would say, I've already told you good morning. But they did that because they were messing with me and they knew it and they laughed and joke it off. My point is this, find your flow, find your creative rhythm, find your strengths, find when you focus most and then plan your social media work accordingly. Plan your work around that. And yeah, every day is not gonna be perfect where things just fall into place, where there are no little fires or no emergencies coming your way. Every day won't be like that, but a lot of days will be like that. And if you know your strengths, if you know your rhythm, you can work around it and this will help you conserve your energy and not burn out. Connect with your peers. 
Talk with other industry peers or fellow creators about your work. You can feel a sense of support and gain insight by talking with people who do what you do. And you don't know what strategies they know that they could share with you and help you work better. Set realistic goals. Focus on achievable goals rather than aspirational or aggressive goals. So aspirational goals are like those things where they're kind of like wishes. I want to do this. They're real lofty, you know, but you don't really put a plan behind it or any action behind it. So it's just kind of like an aspirational goal. And then some people set really aggressive goals. These are people that haven't exercised in 10 years and they decide I'm going to get up and run five miles every day. Well, that may not work out for you because you have to sleep slowly acclimate yourself to what you're doing. Setting unrealistic goals can really, really cause us to fail unnecessarily and discourage us. If you set small mini goals, if you set little benchmarks and milestones to reach the bigger goals, you'll find that each time you achieve a goal, it'll make you feel good. No, seriously, something chemically happens in your body when you achieve your goals no matter how big or small they are, and you feel good. And you can use that as motivation to encourage you. So set realistic goals to help yourself avoid feeling overwhelmed and burnout. Set boundaries for yourself and others. I've burned out in the past when I've carried people's weight, when I should have been sticking with my boundaries. It's nothing worse than burning out because you were carrying somebody else's weight. So set your boundaries and stick with them for yourself. When this happened to me, I got tired and I put in my notice with a detailed list of everything I did and was responsible for. And I did that not to brag, but to ensure that things flowed for the team in my absence. The response from the person in charge was, wow, I didn't know you did so much. And I wanted to say, I know you lying. I mean that. Okay, make time for joy. Schedule time each day for things that bring you joy. This can help you keep a positive outlook and reduce stress. Prioritize personal relationships. Make time to connect with your family and friends. What I'm about to say next is a conundrum, but it's true. Social media can be isolating, so we have to be super intentional about real world connections. When you look at someone else and you're thinking, wow, they've got it all together. Wow, they're doing this with their brand. Wow, they've really, really gone super far since they started. Their business is doing great, whatever it is. When you look at others and you are slightly comparing yourself to them or just observing, because some of y'all don't want to admit that you're comparing, but we'll just say observing. When you're observing what someone else has on social media and you feel like in your heart, dang, why isn't that happening for me? Stop yourself in that moment. Don't say, why isn't it happening for me? Instead, ask yourself, why not them? Asking yourself, why not them can really, really help you see and realize that hard work pays off for everyone, including you. Hard work does not discriminate. Hard work does not, you know, go and favor the next person over you. If you put in hard work consistently, it's going to pay off. So when you look at that person and you're observing, not comparing, when you look on social media and you're observing, not comparing, and you feel yourself wanting more or wanting what they have or asking yourself, why isn't it happening for me or Why isn't it working out for me? Change what you're saying and ask yourself, why not them? Because that can help you see that hard work is going to pay off for everyone, including you. 
and it can help you celebrate them and not get into a funk that causes you to stress and burn out, okay? Check in with yourself, meaning take time to reflect and assess your mental health and well-being. Then take steps to address what you feel. Take breaks. Regular breaks from social media and other work activities can help you recharge, reset, and avoid burnout. Focus on what matters. Don't let short-term wants or vanity metrics get in the way of what's most important. Prioritize your mental health and well-being over social media goals and metrics. Plan for an issue or crisis. Make a social media crisis plan to address any issues head on before they arrive. During times of crisis, you need clear communication, honesty, and calmness to bring peace, neutralize fears, reclaim trust, and resolve conflict. Make a plan now while things are good and your brain is calm. You can plan things out better now to feel less stress and more prepared in the event something does happen. With these tips, you You can sidestep social media burnout, maintain grace, and cultivate ease while still achieving your social media goals. So that's it. That's a wrap for today. We've covered a lot of ground from understanding the difference between meaningful metrics and vanity metrics to practical tips for avoiding social media burnout. As content creators, we face a lot of pressure to perform and succeed online. And taking care of our mental health and well-being is important. In case you missed it, be sure to check out today's episode notes for links to helpful resources like Hootsuite's engagement rate calculator and sentiment analysis tools, as well as a Psychology Today article on influencers' mental health risks. You'll also find recommendations for daily posting goals on various social media platforms from beginner to pro goals. I want to share a personal story with you before we close out today's episode. You thought I forgot, didn't you? I didn't. In 2018, I had a small following on this social platform. I had less than 100 followers. I know it was probably way less than that. It may have even been in the single digits, to be honest with you. And I was getting monthly views on my page, but they were only like a thousand monthly viewers. That was really, really small. But between 2018 and 2020, I'd grown a lot. I'd grown the number of monthly viewers on my page to 1 million. And I still didn't have a lot of followers, which was very, very commendable. I think I had between either less than 100 or less than 200 followers. And I hit 1 million monthly viewers on my page. That was incredible. Okay, so fast forward to April 1st of 2022, I had 9.1 million monthly viewers on my social page per month. That was very incredible, y'all. 9.1 million monthly viewers. And I'm like, wow, I'm small and it's just me doing this. It's crazy. So I said to myself, I'm going to hit 10 million. And I set a goal to hit 10 million. I was like, I'm going to hit 10 million. That's the goal that I'm going to set. And if you're wondering, like, how do I know the numbers and the dates and all that stuff? It's because I curate information. I curate it in my mind, but I also physically curate it. And I am tracking stuff all the time, curating it because I want to see my journey. I want to see my journey. It helps me to measure my growth and all of that stuff. So I set this goal that I was going to hit 10 million monthly viewers. And then I started to burn out. And if you've ever experienced burnout before, you know that you start not caring about things that are important. (laughs) 
I hate to say it like that, but it's true. You don't care about stuff that is important. You don't care about how it impacts you long-term. When you make a decision, you're not thinking about what happens next. You're just thinking about how you feel now. And the now feeling is I'm tired, I don't care. So I started to burn out. And then I started looking at daily post recommendations and it was like 20 posts per day. And I'm like, (laughs) maybe when I was feeling super great, I would have done that. But the way I'm feeling now, I don't care. So I just quit at 9.1 million monthly viewers. I quit and my goal was 10 million. So I'm sure I could have had 10 million in less than a month. I'm sure I could have had that because I was tracking how my page was going. And I'm like, yeah, I can get this 10 million. I can get this. In four weeks, I can absolutely get this. In 30 days, I can hit 10 million. But I was so tired. I was so tired. So I just quit. And that's what burnout does. It causes you to quit. It causes you to give up. It causes you to care less about anything long-term. You know, I didn't care about my impact at that point. I didn't care about any monetary gain at that point. I just didn't care. I was like, I don't want to look at none of that stuff. I could give two nickels worth of whatever you want to call it. I didn't care. So I stopped. Even though my content continues to get lots of views, including one video of me drawing on procreate which has over 5 million views today i knew i could not keep up with the demands of social media without sacrificing my mental health and my well-being and all of those things matters to the people around me it matters to my family it matters to my partner it matters to the people i work with do you remember when i read that excerpt from psychology today one of the risks that we face when we're focused on social comparisons is higher negative mood. So me being online, me feeling like, hey, I gotta keep up with this demand. This is what these big media companies are recommending I post every day, 20 posts per day to keep up with this demand. I just was like, "Uh uh-uh. So higher negative mood is something that we're at risk for. And I just didn't wanna, I didn't wanna do that. I didn't wanna be that for my family. I didn't wanna be that for the people that I create content for. Have you ever been sitting in a church service And the pastor is upset about something. And if you don't go to church, just think about it like this. This is what I think about when I think about me being burned out and showing up on social media, me being burned out and dealing with the negative impact of this upward comparison, me comparing myself to other people and all of that. What I think about is a pastor being angry about something someone in the congregation did and they're fussing at everyone and taking it out on everybody. Or a parent that is upset with one child but has all of the children paying for it. Or a teacher, one student took something off the teacher's desk and now the teacher is punishing everyone for it. When we're burned out and we're still trying to work and be present on social media or be present for our families, we can begin to project the stuff that we feel onto other people unduly meaning they don't deserve it. And that's not fair. It's not fair to you and the image and the brand and the name that you're building. And it's not fair to the people. It's not fair to your family. It's not fair to the people that love you. So please, 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 please take what I've shared with you. Take my experience with social media burnout and use it. Learn from it. Take the tips I've given you. Use them to sidestep all of the mess 
Use what I shared with you about vanity metrics and meaningful metrics and focus more on the numbers that matter on social media. Yes, you need to look at what you're doing. You need to track your growth. You need to measure your success. But there are certain things on social media that when you look at it, it really doesn't matter. Like the likes, they really don't matter, okay? Follower count really doesn't matter. I was pulling an audience of a million monthly viewers and I had less than 200 followers y'all. What does that say about followers? Followers are cool but followers don't necessarily matter. What mattered was the social media platform saw that people like my content and it was putting my content in front of more people including followers and non-followers. So you see what I'm saying? Don't focus on that stuff that doesn't matter. Focusing on the stuff that doesn't matter is going to lead you to get overwhelmed, discouraged, it's going to lead you to, to get burned out, it's going to make you feel like you can't take a break, it's going to make you feel like, oh my gosh, I got to meet the demands of my audience versus you creating and having fun. One sign that you are going down the wrong path when you are creating on social media for yourself or for others is this. When you're creating and it's no longer fun, it's a problem. Whatever you create should be fun. If you're creating and it's not fun and you're feeling drained, you're feeling stress, you're getting close to burnout. And when you burn out, you're putting yourself at risk of making a bad decision or doing things that are out of character, doing things that are not who you are, not being present for your family, and then showing up in a bad way for your community, okay? That's why I wanted to end this episode um, with that story and by reminding you that social media burnout can happen to anyone, including me. And it can happen in the future if I'm not careful. Anyways, no matter how successful you are, it can happen. So no, it's okay to set goals and work hard, but it's also important to prioritize your mental health and well-being. And remember, it's okay to feel overwhelmed or discouraged by social media at times. Take breaks, set boundaries, and use the tips we've covered today to avoid social media burnout so that you can cultivate grace and ease while still achieving your social media goals. Thanks for listening to the Smoke and Profit Podcast. I'm Lola. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it helps you find ways to prioritize your mental health while navigating the ever-changing landscape of social media. Don't forget to check out today's episode notes for links to helpful resources and posting recommendations. Until next time, have the most amazing life. Bye! Spiritually, creatively, socially, spiritually, creatively, socially, Your skills and gifts and mold you